Some of you know that I've often said I'm from the south side of heaven. You have people inside the Senate. You have people that are supposed to be on your side. Make the decision to live and die on your turn. You are not wrong. They have lied to us about everything. The border, the elections. I remember America and the American gun owner are the only things standing in the way of the Great Reset. Who's got the teaching aid? Yeah, you know where I'm going with this. We are fighting a war against principalities. We are fighting a war against evil. I pray that we get to look into the eyes of every single child in this country proudly that those children can look back and be proud of us, knowing that yes. we fought for them. Men, I don't talk with empty words. Those teaching aids, those are called balls. Gentlemen, I've given you back your balls. You only got one? Improvise. God's given us a chance to make it right. He's created a remnant for a reason. You are the remnant. I want you to know we're winning. God is with us. And in the end, we know how this ends. Welcome back to another episode of Conservative Daily Podcast. I'm your host, Joe Oltman. We, we have a very special guest today. And um, frankly, um, I've been waiting for this day for the last couple of weeks. And uh, one, one of the reasons why is because we've been talking a lot about the doctrine of the lesser magistrates. And I've, uh, I've you know, I've, I've now read... Um, I've read Matt's book now three times. I've listened to it in the audio version two times. I've marked it up, <laughs> um, and and I've gotten a chance to spend a little bit of time with him on the phone and talk about the plan. Now, it doesn't mean that it's his plan. It doesn't mean he's sanctioning that plan. We're just going to talk to Matt Truella about um, who he is so you can get to know him. He is a pastor. Um, he's an author. He's also a person that has given of great sacrifice and served the unborn for many years. He's been lied about, falsely accused of things, and he continues to stand in the gap between those that would do harm to babies and to you and those um, that would be victims. So let's, without wasting any more time, let's go ahead and bring Matt Truella in. Matt, welcome to the show. Hey, great to be with you, Joe. It's a blessing and honor to be with you. Listen, I, I uh, I, there's not very often that I have like this man crush, but but in a in a brotherly way. <laughs> but I do because I've I've I think I've I've read. You know I've I've read this book now five times, twice on the audio version and three times, and I've marked it up um, because I I keep looking at what we should do as people. How do we stand up? So first of all, tell everyone a little bit about yourself, and then we'll we'll jump right into it. Sure, sounds great. Yeah, I've been married to my wife for 40 years. Uh, her name's Clara. We have 11 children, six daughters, five sons. We have 27 grandchildren so far. Um, six of our kids are married. Two more are getting married over the next three months. So, oh, congratulations. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you very much. I've been pastoring Mercy Seat Christian Church for 34 years now. So I've been at the same church far longer than the average stay of a minister at a congregation these days is only two and a half years. And um, so it's been a great blessing to be there. We started an organization called Missionaries to the Preborn. I was a missions major in college, had planned on going with um, Wycliffe Bible translators. We have our plans, God is his. Somehow I end up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Nobody plans to move to Wisconsin. Um, God put me here. 
and we um, have been pastoring there for 34 years. And we started this organization called Missionaries to the Preborn in 1990. And when we started, there were eight death camps here in Milwaukee, and there were, um, and so we started going out to them every day. They were open. We targeted one clinic and interposed at the door. And uh, so I spent about lands to move. Fifteen months. I spent about fifteen months in jail over a four-year period for interposing for the preborn. But we've seen God do a great work because we went from eight death camps down to two. And abortion had dropped by 69% in our state. And right now, all the death camps are closed in Wisconsin, um, all four of them, um, since the Roe v. Wade decision, or the Dobbs decision, about a week and a half ago. So, you know, the, it's something to celebrate. The, the Roe versus Wade, Mr. Producer, I got something in my ear, if you could fix that, please. Um, we, we, it's something to celebrate, the Roe versus Wade, but it hasn't gotten rid of abortion. It just has triggered laws that have closed down those, um, I'll call them death camps. I think it's actually an appropriate term, um, those yep. death camps in just the states that had trigger laws. And some of those trigger laws are being, are being uh, challenged right now. That's not happening yeah, in Wisconsin, though. No, Wisconsin, we actually had our 1849 statute still on the books. Um, the Democrats had tried to get it removed numerous times. Unfortunately, our illustrious Republican governor, Scott Walker, gutted half of our anti-abortion statute back in 2011. Um, but he left enough of it there that all the death camps are closed down right now. Our attorney general, who's a Democrat right now, has filed suit in court trying to get our statute ruled unconstitutional. And um, there's many politicians busy right now trying to uh, use the preborn as usual for um, political advantage. Well, so there's been a number of different Supreme Court rulings that have come down. And as those rulings come down from the Supreme Court, you have more and more of the, I'll call them the radical left, I'll call them the evil within our society, that saying, hey, this isn't fair, we, we shouldn't have to play by your rules, we're not going to enforce these laws. It's as, it's as if the Constitution doesn't even exist and that the Supreme Court is making the, you know, and I'm glad it's still intact in Wisconsin, but there are other states that have just, in defiance, people are just keeping these death camps open. Oh, absolutely. That's the majority around the country. And even many of the states that had the trigger laws, um, the laws still haven't been triggered. And the murder of the preborn continues. Um, and that, so what's happened here is the fight's been intensified. And it's more important than ever for those who name the name of Christ, those who want to do right by their neighbor, to get involved, to get engaged, to make sure that this bloodshed ends in the state in which they reside. So you've been fighting for decades for the preborn. Yes. And you wrote this book called mm -hmm. The Doctrine of the Lesser Magistrates. And actually, let me, let me tell you, everyone, what the full title of this book is. So it's The Doctrine of Lesser Magistrates, A Proper Resistance to Tyranny and a Repudiation of Unlimited Obedience to Civil Government. You, you wrote this book in 2013. And I, and I think I walked through how I got introduced to this book. I couldn't believe that I haven't heard of it before. And somebody sent it to me saying, Joe, you need to hear this guy. I often talk about standing in the gap. And although many would say that that's a call to violence, Joe, you're just telling everybody to go get their guns and step in the middle. That's never what I said. And I always said that it, 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 we had to be anti, we had to, we had to not be violent. 
that the only th thing that begets violence is violence, and so defending yourself becomes necessary at that point. But, but this book draws out and describes exactly what the gap is. Mm -hmm. And what it means to interpose on behalf of others, interpose on behalf of those people that are in your community or in your country. What was the inspiration for writing the book? Let's start there. Yeah. Um, well, I saw our country continue to devolve. Um, our church is involved in all kinds of ministry. We have a congregation of about 300. And back in 2007, even though we were doing all this ministry at the universities, um, out on busy intersections at large gatherings, going to prisons and talking with both juvenile and adult inmates, all these things, we continue to see our country go downhill. So we just got together and started praying. We get together every two to three weeks at somebody's house and we'd have 10 people there, 40 people there. Nothing up our spiritual, we were in spiritual tank tops, nothing up our sleeves, just crying out to God for our nation. And at one of those prayer meetings, God impressed upon me. I've only had this a few times in my whole life, uh, Joe, where I just knew we had to establish a website that teaches the doctrinal lesser magistrate to the civil authorities and to the people at large in our nation and to the churchmen in our country and that I needed to write a book about it. So that was 2007. And the overwhelming impetus um, for doing that um, was the preborn. I, I was stunned that in the face of murder, not one governor, not one legislature, not one mayor, not one common council simply said, no, no one's going to be murdered here. They all blithely complied. And so we needed to act on their behalf and teach this doctrine. And of course, there's so many other areas that it has application in, you know, the, the threat to our Second Amendment, taking of our arms, um, what's going on at the borders with the federal government. There's just a whole host of things, CPS and how out of control they are medical freedom and what's happened, what we saw with the whole pandemic, which they're not done with and they'll continue. I keep telling people, look, it's an election year. <laughs> it's an election year. The tyrants will be back. This is a common thing. They squeeze and then they let go. And unfortunately, when they squeeze regarding all this pandemic stuff, they saw that we are a bunch of sheep in this country far more than they probably even believed, more than I believed. I, I was stunned that 95% of churches actually shut their doors. How's that even possible that everyone's walking around with a mask? I was stunned by that. Blithe compliance. I never wore a mask once during the whole thing um, because I know how tyranny is built. It's built plank by plank. And if you give in to the least thing, then they will move on to their next thing. And the more you keep accommodating yourself to their evil, the stronger their tyranny becomes and the harder it gets to undo when you finally decide you have to take a stand. So I often use the example, since it's well known in our culture about the Jews, they weren't just told one day to show up at the railroad station and jump on the boxcars. It started eight years before that with just a little simple law that said they couldn't sit on a public park bench. And they thought, well, it's just a park bench and you know, it's just a mask. And so they accommodated themselves that, and then they went from there to another law, accommodated themselves, another one. Americans need to 
understand how important it is that when tyranny raises its ugly head, that they confront it both at a personal level and at a public level. And the doctrine of lesser magistrates shows men how to resist tyranny at a public level, to rein in the unjust and immoral actions of our civil authorities, and to do so often bloodlessly. Well, and and you know you 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 talk about inside of. I'm getting a feedback loop, guys, so we need to stop that. Sorry, Matt. Um, we Sorry. talk about in here what the gap means, and you you talk about it in chapter one. You talk about talk about it in chapter two. So I'm going to read, if I can, a part of your book, um, and then get your thoughts on it because this is the part where I knew at that very moment. It was, it was like at that moment, th this is what we have to do. Now, I've altered it just a little bit, and we talked about this, like the plan. The lesser magistrates has been corrupted to a point where I feel like there's no coming back from that. They're being selected, not elected. That's obviously my feeling. I'm not putting that on you. Um, but we have some serious issues with um, our election systems, these machines and mail-in ballots, which are making it not only non-transparent, but completely unethical and, 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 and designed to, to basically steal the voice of people. But I want, I want to read this part because it's important for people to understand, and, and most people don't understand, by the way, that Jews were told they couldn't sit on park benches. Most people don't understand that. Like, that's not even something that they even think is true because no one's ever talked about it. And so as I go through, as I go through your book, there are a lot of things that I had to go back and study again because I'm like, wow, I forgot all about that. I forgot all about this. I forgot all about this. And I want to remind our listeners that you wrote this book in 2013, nine years ago. Nine years ago, I had my head in the sand, <laughs> completely in the sand, as most people did. But this part is th th this part just w w settled with me because it's it's identical to what we're actually facing now, including what President Trump said when uh, on January seventh, and that is we're a, we are a country of laws. We must respect the rule of law. We are a, we are a, we are a party of 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 law uh, obeyers. So how does the rule of law relate to the lesser magistrates? As America and all of the West crumbles because of the spurn, the law of God is the rule of law. We will be presented with an opportunity when godly lesser magistrates will need to stand in the gap. They will need to interpose for the sake of the rule of law, for the sake of the people they represent, and defy bad law. Present-day magistrates need to know of the lesser magistrates' doctrine so the conscience prods them more vigorously in their duty and responsibility in the sight of God. They will then be prepared to act in defense of the people they represent. The people also need to understand the lesser magistrate doctrine so that when the lesser magistrates stand, they will rally around them and not let them hang there blowing in the wind. When the lesser magistrates act, they will be those that accuse them of anarchy and chaos because Americans have heard the mantra their entire lives that we are a nation of law. We must respect the rule of law. They may tend to believe the accusations, but... But what if an unjust or tyrannical law has been made? Are we to respect it just because the state declares it to be the law of the land? Are we to passively stand by and conform? Western history exclaims a resounding no from Thomas Aquinas, who declared that an unjust law is no law at all, to the Nuremberg trials where unquestioned obedience to man's law was soundly condemned. So it's, it, we're at that place. Every time we stand yeah. up, we get accused of being the ones that don't respect the rule of law. Right. And that's because the rule of law for over 1500 years throughout Western civilization was the law of God. It was the higher law to which all men and the governments of men were accountable. It didn't matter if you read, you know, Alfred the Great in the ninth century, if you read John of Salisbury in the 12th century or William Blackstone in the 18th century, who, by the way, was the most cited legal scholar by America's founders, they all declared 
that God's law was the higher law to which all men, all governments men were accountable. And that didn't mean things were perfect because anything man's involved in is never perfect. Right. But what it did mean is we had this standard in place so that when men or the governments of men did wrong, we could point to and we could call men to repentance and to reform and to repair. Now that the law of God has been thrown under the bus, not only by the governments of men, but by most churches have thrown the law of God under the bus, the state is free to make up law out of thin air, out of mere whim. And so what they've done is they've made good evil and evil good in their declarations and decrees. And that's all because the law of God, which was the objective standard, has been thrown under the bus. It's important to understand, like I have many good libertarian friends who love my book, except that one chapter about God's law being the objective standard. <laughs> they don't like that part. And I, I explained to them, I say, you have to understand that is the linchpin of the entire doctrine. If you remove divine law as being the objective standard, then what is the objective standard? You, the Supreme Court, Congress? That's insane. It's extremely important for Americans to understand that the law of God is the objective standard. Divine law is the objective standard so that we can see tyranny when it takes place because his law shows us what is right and what is wrong, what is just and what is unjust, what is moral and what is immoral. If you remove that, we're already seeing, Joe, where we end up. Look at the chaos and insane asylum we live in now. Oh, it's and and you know you're in Wisconsin, which which is not a a place where you have a ton of, um, maybe you do. You have some areas which, by the way, are, are are a blight on society where decay has set in, where crime rates have shot up. But you get to places like Chicago, you get to places like Los Angeles, you get to places like uh, Detroit. I mean, these places are are experiencing, you know, three hundred, four hundred, five hundred percent increases in murders and rapes and and violent crimes, and. You know, it, and, and then the DAs let them back out on the street. Yep. The, these people yeah, are... What you have. Go ahead. Yeah. No, what you have is lawlessness. Precisely because we've impugned the law of God, thrown it under the bus, removed the objective standard, um, people can't recognize when tyranny is taking place anymore. But it is. And in the process of lawlessness by the governing authorities, what it revolves and evolves into is lawlessness amongst the population. People see that they can no longer get justice with the institutions that were pillared to give us justice. The criminal mind knows that, so they act more lawlessly. And the people become frustrated because they see that they no longer, these government officials are no longer doing their duty in the sight of God regarding establishing justice in the land. Um, I want to give a shout out to one of our other sponsors too. That's Axos Bank. Um, I'm excited to have found this bank, and I've done a lot of research on this bank. And um, I'm supposed to have another conversation with them tomorrow because I'm, I'm really interested in how they uh, are going to protect people. I'm really interested in protecting people and their ability to protect their money. I'm not sure that the banking system related to the bigger banks would ever do that. It's one of the reasons why I've never been a part of any big banks. I, I gave that up nearly 20 years ago. 
Um, but I found this bank, Access Bank. They opened on Independence Day 2000. They're not a crumbling brick and mortar. They're a fully digital bank built on the bedrock of American tradition. Let's take a look at the reward checking account where you can earn the highest interest rate, and it's a big one. Listeners can also get a, a $150 bonus if you open one by July 31st. Big rewards from a bank that believes in freedom to do business without compromising our values. Um, if you go to accessbank.com slash daily for full details, that's A-X-O-S bank.com slash daily. And for that cash bonus, all you need is a $1,500 direct deposit within the first three months of opening your reward checking account. Uh, so Access Bank is federally insured, member FDIC, and they're for us, all of us, accessbank.com slash daily. Go check them out. So there's no question that we're past that point. We're past a point yeah. now where y- you almost feel as if, like, what's next? You know, I, I had this, this kind of very snarky conversation with my wife and she's like, oh, it'll get back to normal. And I was like, it's never going back. They, they've taken too much ground. We have to push it back. Like we're, we're not, this isn't a normal up and down in the financial market. It's not a normal up and down to how they teach kids in schools. It's not a normal up and down to the lawlessness that goes against even the, the highest you know, court in the land. And I feel like the, that our magistrates, some are doing their job, but they're being overruled by these other magistrates, which are implanted into our system to steal the, the very thing that should mean everything to us, the spirit, the soul of our country. And that foundation has been based on God. So, so, I, so I had a plan. I, th- I think I told you about this plan. My plan was, is that lesser magistrates have, have a place. And we saw in New Mexico how the three um, commissioners, county commissioners, stood in and said, we are getting rid of the machines, and we are not going to certify the election based on the fraud that we found within the machines. And they were condemned by the state attorney general, and they said that we will charge you with a felony and have you thrown in prison, and we will remove you from office if you do not reinstate the certification of the election. And so those lesser magistrates, they just caved. Yeah. They caved and said, and, and then did it so in protest, saying, I will be charged with a felony if I, if I stand up. Is that, really, is that really showing courage? Are they really willing to risk anything? And have we gotten to that point now where, where people in the lesser magistrate's environment either lack courage, lack commitment, or lack character? I, mean, it, I almost feel yeah. like that's where we're at. No, you're right. And that was well said, by the way. And that, that's the the state we're in right now is that lesser magistrates don't have good character for the overwhelming majority. Um, It's extremely um, important for people to realize their duty in a situation like that. Okay, so their commissioners, their county commissioners interpose, stand in the gap, make a stand. And the um, attorney general says what he says. Okay, so the duty of the lesser magistrates there, the three county commissioners is, Go ahead and let them charge me with a crime. Go ahead. You have to understand, Joe, people need to be willing to suffer. Um, just look at the American Revolution and all the suffering. That's part of the process of changing things. And so they take their stand, the three commissioners, but what's the duty of the people? To rally behind them. That's the duty of the people in order to assure them, we're standing with you four square and they need to do it privately and publicly, assure them that they have their prayers, that they have their person, that they have their property. They will do all they can to stand with them. They need to do it privately to assure the commissioners. They need to do it publicly in order to make the attorney general think twice. There's an interesting story about a sheriff down in Liberty County, Florida. Now this happened probably 
eight years ago now, there was a sheriff there named Sheriff Finch. And he um, came into work one day, it's a small county, looked on the roster to see who was in jail and saw there was a man on a, sec on a gun charge sitting in his jail. He read what he was charged with and he said, that law is unconstitutional. And so he literally himself walked into the jail, unlocked it and let the guy just walk out. So he was attacked by the attorney general and his local DA. They brought charges against him of malfeasance in office. This is a guy who's been in public service for over 20 years. It's how he puts food on his family's table. They wanted to take all that away from him. And he's now looking at years in prison because like you were pointing out, these people in other places attack the good magistrates. Well, here's the goodness of this story. The people just didn't sit by. They actually did a signature gathering effort for their sheriff. They held many, like four or five public demonstrations of large numbers of people in support of their sheriff. In the end, they had a three-day trial of the sheriff and they found him not guilty in less than an hour or about an hour not guilty of all charges now this was a strong man joe but i saw the um press conference when he came out of the courthouse he was weeping you know that's amazing pressure that he was under but it all ended up good you know why because of the role of the people the people understood he's doing his duty we need to stand with our sheriff, not leave him hanging out there in the wind. And then they won. It's exactly how the doctrine of lesser magistrate should operate. So, so what what about the doctrine of the lesser magistrate? When, we, when we're thinking about the lesser magistrates, what about the people becoming the lesser magistrates? Yeah, the lesser ma when I refer to magistrates, I'm referring to those who have lawful authority. They're either elected or appointed. It could be anyone from a policeman all the way up to the president. They possess lawful authority. As citizens, it's different from us. Like if we were to make a stand against some unjust or immoral law, it would come under the category of civil disobedience. And of course, we take the punishment upon ourselves. It's like what I was doing when I interposed at the door of the abortion clinic. Right. Um, and so, and that's needed and necessary at times too. Um, because that's a goodness. Because of our love for Christ, we're willing to confront the state when they're doing wrong and take upon ourselves punishment from the state. It's a goodness to society. It's a goodness to the tyrant authorities because it reminds them that their authority has limits, that they're one day going to answer before a just God. So that, um, you know, it comes under civil disobedience. But when a magistrate interposes, they possess lawful legal authority in their office and so it is not civil disobedience it's called interposition they're interposing between the superior civil magistrate and the people of their jurisdiction to keep them safe from the evil and harm that the superior authority wants to do to them so you know we talk about the, the being interpo interpo interposing and that that's what they do but tina tina peters did that in colorado she was a county clerk and recorder in mesa county that had the image done before and after the quote-unquote trusted build she was standing on behalf of the people within her community and uh, they came in and prosecuted her they came in and charged her with 11 crimes 
11 crimes related yep. to looking into the election and found massive amounts of fraud inside the machines. And still, they said nothing to see here. So, yeah. They're absolutely evil. When you look at, like, history of men, and I like to go to our American Revolution because they were masters at this, they exploited the suffering that anyone took on themselves to show the people just how lawless their government has become. Look at the people sitting in D.C. still, the J6 men. I mean, how evil is that? What's our duty in the midst of that as the people? to make known their story, to let people know this is happening, because the media is totally covering it up. The GOP leadership doesn't give a fly and flip about any of it. And all of the magistrates aren't saying anything about it. The only one in mainstream media I've seen say anything about it is Tucker Carlson. It's like, and the same with um, this woman in Colorado. It's the same thing. Her story needs to get out there to people so they can see the evil that their government is doing a lawless it has become. Because right now, it's a horse race in this country between good and evil. I need to do a quick read for one of our sponsors. Um, this podcast brought to you by IP Vanish. If you're tired of feeling like somebody's always watching on the internet, maybe advertisers know a little too much about you. We've talked a lot about IP Vanish. They've been a, a partner of the show for quite some time now. But IPVanish helps you safely browse the internet without exposing your private details to third parties, such as hackers, your ISP, or advertisers. You can use IPVanish on your computers, tablets, phones, even devices like your Fire Stick when you stream media. Um, you can use IPVanish on unlimited devices at the same time without sacrificing on speed, your computers, tablets, phones. Um, it's and, and for our listeners, they're, they're offering an incredible 70% off your yearly plan to our listeners with a 30-day money-back guarantee. It's like getting nine months for free. It's super easy to use. All you do is tap one button. You're instantly protected. I will tell you that there are some apps that you have to turn off if you're using like ring apps or things like that you have to turn it off in order to actually access it because it has to have a localized ip address but um that's just something you just learn when you get it but you, you get to keep them from getting access to most of your information uh, those apps just need it to make it necessary to validate who you are uh, so go to ipvanish.com slash daily use promo code daily you do have to use the slash daily so ipvanish.com slash daily use promo code daily and claim your 70 percent savings people need to realize that and I'll tell you, Joe, one of the things I do see is a goodness here. I mean, I told people for years, forget about DC, they're bought and paid for. Get off that hamster wheel they put you on, running, making a big deal about the president every four years. Put your efforts into state, county, and local government. Nobody would listen until now. Because of the pandemic and because of the steel, all of a sudden I've seen from coast to coast, and I can't get a bird's eye view because I know people everywhere because of my book, People have flooded into county and local government in order to make a stand for freedom. They see what's going on. And this is the most people I've ever seen actively engaged in fighting tyranny in our country. I'm 61 years old now. I never have seen this many people involved. And understand, it's still a vast minority. <laughs> but you don't need a majority in order to win the day. History right. proves that that the vast majority of people will always only care about three things, me, myself, and I, that's over 85% of them. It's so true. The, yeah, and so it's a small number of people who decide public policy in a nation, whether for good or for evil. So we need to not wring our hands, we need to be engaged in the battle. And understand, we have a lot of innocent blood here. So I'm not under any illusions that we're not deserving of God's just judgment. 
We are. But in the midst of God's just judgment, we have to do what Christian men do. And the history of Christian men is we confront the idols, the evils, and the tyrants of our day. That's what Christian men do. Just read the history of Christianity, read Old Testament, read New Testament. And so I think it's extremely important for us not to throw in the towel because in the midst of all the evil, we have to call men to repentance, we have to fight against the evil, and we need to be building. And, and people are building. Even this example, real quick, just look at the medical structures that are being built right now within some Christian circles and non-Christian circles. They realize the medical industry are a bunch of psychopaths, and they realize they need to begin to build these medical structures. Our church has been doing that. Um, I know of many other churches doing it across the country. Again, a small minority. I have a friend here in Wisconsin who opened a cash-only medical clinic seven years ago, was barely surviving. They've opened eight new clinics in the last year, most of them staffed by doctors and nurses who either quit because they couldn't go along with the immoral stuff they were seeing their profession do, or were fired because they refused to get the shot. And so they have more business than they can handle. What does that tell you? It tells you people are building in the midst of the chaos as things are crumbling. So we have to be focused on all three, calling men to repentance, fighting against the evil at hand, and building while there's this epoch of change going on within the culture. Um, building, taking down these awful structures that have enslaved us and building um, strict structures that counter their evil. So, and like what you're doing within media, it's tremendous, you know? Well, you know, you say to, to call men to repent. And Matt, I got to tell you, I am, you know, I get up in church. I, I do joke around because I speak at churches and I speak at things and I talk about women, mothers, and that they're the reason why we even have an opportunity to save our country because they're the ones standing up most often. And I look around the room when I go to speak and there's 80%, 90% women. And that's a real thing. Yeah. And I challenge the men that are there to not accept the perversion of faith, to not accept the perversion of God's word, to not accept leaders that, uh, that lead you to where we're just supposed to accept the mores of society that are given to us by society. And, and I, you know, there, there are men that I've woken up, there's men, and I get in arguments with them, and I'm like, listen, or debates, I guess. Uh, we, get, we have these discussions, and I go, where are you? Where were you? They're, they're coming for our children. Actually, they're bypassing us, Matt. They're going right past yep. us. We're, we're in the way to get to the children, and now that the veil's been lifted, I believe that God, you know, the pandemic was a great, great thing for us. I, I just do. I, I believe it was a blessing. Not that people died, but that it, it, it opened this veil. It woke me up. I remember the day that it woke me up, and it was tremendous. Like, the, the weight was unbelievable. Like, how could you not see this before? But how do we call men to repent when they, they seem to be more interested in comfort, more interested in, you know, I'm the breadwinner, and less interested in being the, the, the father of the, the head of the household, the person that, that dictates what, the, what ethics and morals are within their environment? Yeah, exactly how you've been doing it. Here's something I do at the university, because I love going to the university, open-air open preaching, talking with young people. Here's a line that'll gather a crowd instantly. I say, what is the role and function of a man? 
What's the role? What's your duty as men? What's your role? What's your function as a man? I'm not kidding you, Joe. They are like deer in the headlights. And of course, then I explain to them, your duty is to be a provider, a protector, and a priest. And then I go into those things. And I'm not kidding you. You know, at the beginning, when you ask, what is the duty of man? You know, you might have some smart aleck who, you know, yells out, drink beer and blank women, you know, type of a thing. Hmm. They all get quiet once I start talking about being a provider, a protector, and a priest. Even the women do, because they understand these are good virtues. What he's saying, we've never heard before. And it sounds important. And they still have that vestige, even though this culture has tried to push it out of them completely. They still have that vestige of what a man should be, God-given down in their heart. And so these things get their attention. That's what we have to do. And understand, it's been by design that they've destroyed family, that they've destroyed manhood and womanhood in this country. People, you know, it comes down to that age-old question. Do the governments change the laws in order to corrupt the morals of the people, or do the corrupt morals of the people change the laws of the government? It is by far the former. Just read history. The governments changed the laws in order to corrupt the people. And that's been going on by design for years, often done through the judiciary, though not alone by the judiciary, in order to demean and belittle um, family and marriage to American people. Most young men don't want to get married now. Why? Well, they're taught to be perpetually adolescent by the culture in which we live in. So the average age of a man getting married now is 31 years old. You can fornicate with impunity. So why would you get married? And number three, every young man knows some other guy who ended up in divorce court. And when you get in divorce court, that is nothing but boilerplate feminist rot made into public policy. And so why would I want to get married and put my head in the chopping block of that? So understand men have been belittled by hollywood by government it's all been by design that's why many of them are a wall how do we correct that exactly what you said and what i've seen you do at gatherings call men to repentance call men to understand their god-given role function and duty in the sight of god and i've started there with men they didn't even know christ but they loved what they were hearing and then they eventually come to know Christ and get forgiveness of their sins. Life's radically changed. It's phenomenal. So I believe that's what we need to do. And we do need to call men to repentance. And I have seen some since all this started. Um, there's been no run on sackcloth and ashes down at the Ace Hardware. Don't get me wrong. But there's been some people converted to Christ. There's been some, you know, deepening of, of their walk with the Lord. But I've also already seen just since the tyrants have let up a little bit, because it's an election year, um, I've also seen how Americans are all just running back to their beer and food. <laughs> you know, and it's yeah. totally indifferent um, to what just happened and what is still being built by wicked men and is happening right now, indifferent to it. So I think we're gonna see a lot more of unleashing of the tyrants, much more evil in the days ahead and um, we need to be faithful and true to Christ and um, do right by him and right by our neighbor. And in the process of that, we will see men and women one to Christ. I think it's important for us to do. 
Well, you know, we we talk about the perversion of the church, and you you brought something up when we first when we start first started speaking on this. Uh, uh, broadcast, and that is that the average tenure is like two and a half years for for a pastor to serve in a church. And, you know, I think that, you know, it used to be, I mean, you, you went in and you have served as a pastor, you have served as a leader, and a strong leader, and you've paid the price for it. It's 15 months over four years that you spent in, in jail. I see a different type of pastor these days. I see one that just bends to the will of the dollar that bends to the will of this perversion that I think happens upstream. I mean, I don't believe that, and, and maybe you could shed some light on this, I don't believe that, that uh, these seminaries are any less corrupted than the, the education environment in other places. I believe that, that it has to start somewhere. Otherwise, we wouldn't be having this, this rejection. And, and, and by the way, people are bipolar in churches. Regardless of the denomination, they're like, wait a minute, you shut down the church, I can't get spiritually fed, uh, you want me to get my, my message over Zoom, you still want me to give you a bunch of money, you, you, you talk about you know, listening and obeying the, the, the law of the land, yet it's breaking God's law. So there's a massive amount of confusion, I think, that are pushing people to say, give me my beer and give me my food, because I really don't, <laughs> I have nowhere to turn now. <laughs> right. Eat, drink, and be merry, because tomorrow I die. Yeah, you know, that American Christianity has been, you know, if you follow the history of Christianity and just Christianity itself, it ebbs and flows over the years um, as far as its state. Right now we're at a low ebb, have been um, massively feminized. The churchmen, their biggest desire, Joe, is to be liked. Yeah. Um, and once you, once you have that as your biggest desire, you're worthless to Christ. First, you love him. If you love him, that's how you're able to properly love your neighbor. Um, extremely important to understand. So we have this effeminate Christianity, but it really got exposed. Like I already thought American Christianity was terrible. If you listen to my sermons, I take my fellow churchmen to task. In you do. Numerous of my sermons. Yes. And, um, Even and, this week, by the way, it was a great sermon, yeah. which we're going to promote here when we... Yeah. Well, thank you. Yeah. So... I look at this and I'm like, um, the pandemic really brought out how bad it was. It was worse than I even thought. 95% of the churches closed their doors. So, but they didn't just play the traitor to Christ and close their doors. The average church closed for four to six months over that thing. Um, some opened sooner, very few, some opened later and some went extinct because they kept following the CDC fiction. But what you notice was they didn't just play the traitor to Christ and close their church doors. They also played the whore. And they took over $12 billion, Christian churches and Christian organizations and seminaries across America took over $12 billion. Not only did they do the bidding of the tyrants in teaching Christian people to follow their fiction, and their tyranny and evil and put on a mask, stay six feet apart, put slimy stuff on your fingers. But then they took money from the tyrants for obeying them. That is outlandish. It is evil and it is wicked. There needs to be massive repentance. And that's part of what I believe is happening in America, Joe. God's bringing his judgment upon America. Judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And Amen. 
he is judging this form of Christianity, this weak, pathetic, effeminate form of Christianity that's been around for decades now in America. And I already see him replacing it, Joe, with a tougher, more biblical form of Christianity. I'd say about 20% of the people left their churches over this whole matter. Some of them were already like, and these people were there for eight years, 10 years, 20 years. And they're like, this is a bridge too far. And now they've coalesced with other Christian people who want to faithfully serve him, who want to make Christ known in the earth, who want to confront the tyrants um, and the evils and the idols. And they're working together in service to Christ and to neighbor in taking these things to task. So if people are interested, they can go to our website, defytyrants.com. And right on the home page, we have a box that like changes every few seconds. And there's four boxes. And the fourth box is titled, Why Aren't Pastors Involved? I made that box because everywhere I speak, and I've spoken to hundreds and hundreds of groups, Christian and political, um, they all, that question always comes up. How do we get the pulpits involved? The problem we have is something called pietism. And on that little square, when you punch it in, I have three short articles, and I mean short, that'll cue you in on what pietism is. And I have a 35-minute lecture dealing with pietism, what it is and how the churchmen have pillared these little slogans in order to keep you out of the civil government realm. They're meant to make you feel unspiritual, to shame you. Like, we should just preach the gospel. Like, we should just pray. Like, I just expect sinners to act like sinners. Like... God's in control. They actually invoke something as dear as the sovereignty of God to justify their indifference to the evil that's going on in the land. So you have to be able to dismantle these little slogans. And I do in that, um, in that lecture, in that box. If I could, I'll just share one of the little slogans just to tease people to look at that. <laughs> because you yeah, have to so understand. Guys, Mr. Producer, bring up the Defy Tyrants website. Here you go. All right. I'll let you drive. This is Teaching the Doctrine sure. of the Lesser Magistrates. That's it for part one of our interview with Matt Truella, Patriots. Part two is coming up next, and you don't want to miss it. Tune in next time on Conservative Daily Podcast. God bless America.